Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name's Dusty Slay. I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host and wife, Hannah Hogan. Fully present. All right. Well, we're pumped to be here. What a what a hot show. We're pumped to be back on a somewhat of a regular schedule. This will come out a bit later than, uh, than what I'd like, but uh, we are on somewhat of a regular schedule again. Uh, the Thanksgiving holiday has come and gone, and uh, we're we're getting back in action. Um, I've been I, I got I really got I really felt like I felt the effects of some jet lag for the first time in a while because I'd had you know I'd had some time off from flying. You know I had uh, I had like a um, I don't know I had a weekend where I could drive. I drove to Chattanooga and Bowling Green, and then the next weekend I had off. And then all of a sudden, I flew all the way to Phoenix, direct flight, which is a four-hour flight. And then I just felt like just so tired while I was in Phoenix. Now, for my shows, I felt fine. I mean, by the time, you know, you get into the... You get into the club and you get into the green room and you start feeling those show vibes and you get fired up, you get ready to go. The shows were great. I had, that's where I've been. I had great shows in Phoenix. I did uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, a club called, formerly known as CB Live, now called the, um, uh, I don't know remember what it's called now. The, uh, I forget the new name. The comedy Club. Yeah, it's the comedy. It's the uh, something Ridge Improv, the Mountain Ridge Improv. I don't know. That doesn't seem right. It's a brand new name. I'll get it. Before I couldn't remember Scottsdale. Now I've got Scottsdale, and I can't remember the club's name. Ain't that life? <laughs> Ain't that just the way it goes? Oh golly, here we go. Uh, but then uh, I did. Uh, three nights at the Tempe Improv, which I've done a bunch of times, and uh, I really this was my first full headlining weekend though there at the Tempe Improv, so I was very pumped about it, uh, and um, uh, so that's great. But your recovery has been a bit slow. Yeah, so the shows were really great, and then I felt good, and like I, I felt like I wasn't sleeping great in the hotel, and then my, my last night there, Saturday night, I felt like I slept the best, but that's when I had to wake up early, fly home, another direct flight, get in the car, come home, jump into family time. Hannah had a dentist appointment, so it's like we had to lie. I ran home. Hannah had to go to the dentist. I had the kids. I loaded them up, took them to Nate's house. Uh, and then did a podcast immediately, and and then it's just like I feel like I've had to have a few days of recovery. I don't even feel like a real road dog with the fact that I'm so tired from travel. I'm like, what is going on here? Well, uh, you've been traveling for going on ten years now, so yeah, probably just catching up on you. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Um, but, um, lots of good news coming on the way. Lots of hot announcements coming out. I can't make them today. And I wait, maybe you can, and then just air it like after. I don't know. Okay. I'd like to go ahead and put the podcast out today. Okay. 
But hot announcements come, and I hate an announcement about an announcement. We got an announcement. <laughs> but It's but, not yet, but the announcement is that the announcement's coming. Yeah, but I'm doing an announcement for an announcement. Ooh. But it is good. It is very exciting. I'm pumped about it. I'm pumped to finally be able to announce it. I've had to be very silent about it for a while, uh, and it's exciting. Yeah. And then um, where I'm going this weekend, I'm going to what's kind of known as the uh, Cincinnati Funny Bone, uh, otherwise the Liberty Funny Bone. It's about halfway in between Cincinnati and Dayton, uh, but I'll be doing that this weekend. Great club, a lot of fun. Two shows Friday, two shows Saturday with my buddy Drew Harrison. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun there. I love going to that club. So it's going to be, be driving. Great. And I'll be driving. So I'll be driving, and then I'm going to have a couple of weeks off uh, from weekends because I got, you know, I got a couple of, I had a complication. I was supposed to be doing the San Jose Improv in December, and something happened. There was some complication that happened, and the gig ended up getting canceled. So I just decided not to fill it and take a couple of weeks here at the end of the year. So I'm going to take a couple of weeks off. I like that. Um and then, um, but I will be doing some shows in Nashville on December 12th. I have my regular show called the Dusty Slays Grand Old Comedy Show uh, at Zany's. That'll be December 12th. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then December 18th, I'm doing a special kind of show. I'm going to do a Dusty Slay and Friends show where I'm going to have a lot of people. Everybody on the show opens for me on the road uh, to some degree. And what I'm trying to do is put together some kind of album that I can submit to SiriusXM to help some of my friends get some airplay on SiriusXM. Uh, you're able to make a little money that way, get a little exposure. So I'm going to try to help them. And I'm also going to try to record some jokes of mine for video and for somewhat of an album that are currently not on an album or special for me. Uh, a lot of them will be older jokes. They might be on The Tonight Show. They might be on my Netflix half hour. They might be on a Comedy Central thing that I did. Uh, but they're not actually on an album for me. And that's what I want. I want to try to do a little bonus album. And I don't know if it'll happen, but that that's the plan. To little, do a little bit of a bonus album, get a few other high-definition video clips for myself and for people. Uh, my YouTube video that I did uh, got over a million views, and it's like, so it's inspired me to want to record some of these other older jokes that are kind of out there hanging uh, that I've not been able to record. How How's that been going? How's the uh, creation of this kind of you know, small album of yours been going? Well, I've not been doing a ton with it. Okay. Uh, but I, I have, you know, said some of those jokes here and there uh, out on out on the road. Um, I have been, you know, working and putting together the order of that and formulating the whole thing. I feel good about it. I feel like the way, uh, one way that I can do it, kind of a little hack is as I host the show, I can do one or two jokes in between each comedian. So that way I can go, uh, you know, instead of memorizing a full set list, go, all right, I'm going to do this, this, this. And I may work on some of those jokes this weekend in Cincinnati. That is what I need to do. So it's going to be loose. It's going to be free. It's going to be dusty, uncut. 
you want to check it out and get those tickets. Exactly. It's going to be very fun. It'll be some classic jokes, and it'll be filmed. And, you know, uh, we need the support. So and a lot of funny comics you have on that very too. funny i mean i can tell you the list if you if you want to hear it um, i do want to hear i it. mean this is some people that open for me out on the road and um uh so let's see um let's find where i've put that okay this is what we got now i got to reconfirm with them but um as it stands, this is the lineup. We got yeah, a couple dropouts on, on any given comedy show. Yes. Uh, we got uh, Chance Willie, uh, local favorite here in Nashville. Love Chance. Uh, we got Will O'Donnell. Oh. Will O'Donnell, who's won St. Louis's Funniest Comedian. There you go. And uh, opens for me quite a bit. We got Alec Parent. Yep. Uh, opens for me quite a bit. Naomi Caravani. Uh, okay. New York City comedian. She just recorded her own special and album, and now she's going to come and do a set. Boom. Uh, Drew Harrison, who will be with me this weekend. Classic. And then uh, Liam Nelson. Uh, a very tall gentleman who's open for me a bit on the road. Uh, you had me at tall. And so uh, I don't want to say how tall because that's one of his jokes. But um, so oh, that's going to be a hot lineup in itself. I mean, they're each going to do 10 minutes. So they're going to do an hour and they're probably going to end up being a two hour show. It's going to be a long show. Okay. Uh, but you know what? Tis the season. Yeah. A lot of hot jokes. It's going to be great. Well, that's exciting, Dusty, and I'm pumped up for it, for you, for them, yeah. for the world at large. And I, you know, and I don't know what I want to do. Part of me wants to release each of their 10-minute uh, sets on my own YouTube separately as little showcases here and there uh, to kind of help get them some exposure to. I don't want to do a full, I don't want to release the full thing on YouTube, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. I may just. I guess you kind of just have to see how it goes, how the show goes. Well, that is true too. And yeah. uh, but mainly, I want the audio because I want to put an album together, a Dusty Slay and Friends audio album. Uh, I love that stuff. I love albums. I'm a big fan of comedy albums. I have two that I really like, uh, and I'm gonna have a you know a third uh, when my. Uh, special that I recorded in Knoxville finally comes out. I will have a third album. This one will make a fourth. And then I believe after doing some, uh, a little, a little digging and scratching on some jokes, I believe I have enough for a fifth album. <laughs> so, um, so that'll be pretty awesome. Yeah. And I mean, it's so important to get up on Sirius XM. I mean, really just for the the money you know like i was saying last night and maybe this is tmi but dang that serious xm money kind of floated us through the pandemic if it weren't for the pandemic we might not have been able to pay our mortgage oh it wasn't for the serious xm yeah yeah because you know i don't work and yeah. you weren't working very much during the pandemic more than anybody else probably in the world but <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> probably but still weren't working very much yeah it was a big help and so i want to just be able to kind of get um, you know, get some, try to help some people get some of that. So we need some, that's right. We need some people. Everybody likes a little side hustle money. Yeah. So we need some people there to laugh at them and, uh, mm -hmm. uh, make that audio good. That's right. Cause you know, um, people don't know the difference in between a real audience and a soundtrack I've found. Uh, I never use a soundtrack or, or like a laugh track. But I get comments on some of my videos sometimes where people will go, this has to be a laugh track. 
And I'm like, no, this is a real audience. This is what an audience sounds like. Are there comedians using laugh tracks in their content? I'm sure. Do you think so? Yeah, I mean, I don't know any particularly, but I'm sure people do use that. I mean, the technology exists in a way that, because it's like this, even if you do a special, you know, I I was at a special taping one time for a comic uh, years and years ago, and they had, you know, they came out, and I don't think they did this at all at my special taping, but I saw it at a comics one time where they would have, they had us do various cheers and applauses and laughs and reactions that way they could add those in at any time in the special. Yeah. Yeah. And that is essentially a laugh track. That's true. People do do that. Yeah. I don't think we did that. Okay. I wasn't there. I wasn't invited. You were invited. Oh, okay. I don't know. It's, I don't know if you were. I don't think you were. I don't think I was. Well, you're always invited, but I, I'm pretty sure we had, a, you know, I'm pretty sure we have two kids. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure where they are right now, but they're around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that's exciting. So I don't think we have any real land updates. I've ordered a lot of seeds. I got a lot of seeds. I got, I'm into clover now. Clover is my big thing. You don't even know the amount of clover that I've actually ordered. I I don't want to know. I have some sitting here in the house that I've already ordered, but I made a big order over the weekend. I know you did. The target. I didn't know that you did, but I knew you did. Targeted ads have really honed in on me in a strong way. You're (laughs) under deep bondage (laughs) of the algorithm. Almost every targeted ad, I'm like, yes, I do need that. But I. They have figured you out. But I do need it. That's sad. I got this thing called the yard glider coming where, you know, you it, it it's like a tarp, but much stronger than a tarp. And you can put it down and then you can load really heavy things. Like I want to move some rocks and some logs around. I've been wanting to move these rocks and logs around for a while, but I'm just, I've been in my head. I've been like, how will I ever move these? Yeah, just scratching your head with your two arms how can i lift these logs i don't know how will i do it <laughs> well i appreciate the joke but i'll let you try to move some of these logs with your arms out well there. maybe maybe it's a two-person job yeah i mean all right well we'll get out what there. other what other ads are getting to you? maybe the two of us like every ad's getting to you these maybe days. the two of us can load those logs onto that yard glider and move it across it can you stop calling a, a yard glider that's the name of it's it. a tarp it's not a tarp, though. Mm. It's not a tarp. If, if it arrives and it's just a full-on tarp with maybe a string attached with a label that's real snazzy that says yard glider, I will be referring to it as a tarp. I'll admit that I was wrong if it comes and looks like that. Yeah. I've been burned before off buying stuff on, on the internet. I don't think the yard glider is going to let you down, though. That sounds legit. Yeah. I, I've been burned by buying clothes, and I've not done a lot of it, but the, the poncho brand uh they sell they sold shirts and i was looking for a shirt for my special and this poncho shirt looked really good and i was like oh this could be the shirt for my special so i ordered it i mean i'm still wearing it It, it's a good like land shirt but it's not very good real bad track record buying clothes online i think that's why they say uh a lot of these places that you can buy online have like uh like a a return policy built into it and that you can buy several to just see if you like it and buy several different sizes to figure out you know which one's which yeah returns are through the roof yeah this country 
Well, um, some other targeted ads. This and this one I've not bought, but you know we've got this hillside where where we had some uh, had made some flat land off of a slope, and so when we made the flat land, it made a steeper slope. Uh, on the other side of the flat land. And we've had a lot of trouble getting things to grow on it because it's a red clay. We've had a lot of trouble. And these things are basically just little, almost like little half pots that you can stack along a, a, a bank like that to, you know, to make little level planting areas. And I did not buy them, but I did save them. To go back and look at later, yeah. which is what I did with the yard glider. I took a couple of days to decide on the yard glider. You got a couple of shoes, too, that were perforating the ground. Little uh, spikes. Oh, yeah. Well, to were be those targeted ads. No, no. To be fair, I searched those out. I wanted uh, I figured it had to exist. I wanted to aerate the lawn. So these are like these are basically like metal cleats that you can attach to your shoes and then walk around the yard and stab holes in it. Mm -hmm. I may rent an aerator at some point, but right now I'm like, I'm just trying this out. I want to poke all these holes in the ground. Then I'm throwing grass seed down, clover seed, really trying to get some stuff going. I mean, the clover, they have this micro clover that's supposed to grow in real thick and not very tall. So you don't really have to mow it. Um, and also, there's Dutch white clover. That's what I've ordered for, for the land down by the creek. I want that to grow because that's what we have growing wild in our yard here. The bees love it. The rabbits love it. The deer love it. I'm thinking if we can have this little, you know, meadow down by the creek where we could just get animals to come. We could set up some cameras down there, get a little nature scene, mm -hmm. little footage. Mm -hmm. We got our little cave down there where we can build a little fire. I mean, we, we've been reading this book about Native Americans, and um, I'm ready to convert. I mean, <laughs> Whoa, uh, <laughs> you got to be careful saying things like that, dude. <laughs> you can't just say that. <laughs> Why? You can't just say I'm going to. First of all, pretty sure Native American is an ethnicity. Yeah, but uh, I'm just saying I'm into it. I appreciate what they yeah. got going on. Yeah, I think everybody's into Native Americans a little bit. They're pure. Yeah, I've always been into it, and I really uh, appreciate it. I mean, growing up where I grew up is a very uh, an area of basically where the Creek Indians lived, and you know we that's you know we didn't have. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously brutal things happened to them that had nothing to do with me, but you know, my dad bought some land one time and he, and it was near a Creek, uh, and he plowed it up to plants. He lost this land in a divorce, uh, but he plowed it up and we found arrowheads all through there. So many arrowheads and, uh, we, we kept them. He has them. I love that. And yeah. you, you're of the belief that you might actually, not need to convert to being a Native American because you you perchance have some Native American blood in you. Well, my dad was telling me that his dad, his dad, you know, born in 1900, uh, you know, had black hair and always said that we had, you know, some Native American ancestry, which I think's really cool. Oh, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and I grew up uh, near a native reservation, so I went to school with a lot of uh, native kids. We called them natives back then. I know Canada's on some other tip of aboriginals or indigenous people. 
I think we're using those terms up in Canada, but it seems like, are you guys just using American Indian or are you saying native? I think native? it's Native American is still the native term. Native seems like it makes the most sense. I think so too. I like the, um, the term American Indian. Mm-hmm. And when I do some of these casinos out here, they will, uh, you know, they'll say Indian tribes, their, their own, their own writing about themselves inside the casino will say, you know, that they, we are of this Indian tribe, yeah. you know? So I don't think that term, I mean, people really made that term seem very hateful, but I don't really think that it is. Um, I don't know. I just think it's all in, in, in terms of how you speak about people, right? I mean, are you, um, uh, when you say it, are you, are you being, uh, slanderous, you know? I think it's, I think we should call them what they want to be called. Well, yeah, for sure. I don't, I'm not, I I mean, I guess I just assumed that's what they called themselves, but I don't know. I've not asked one. I think the American Indian is a strong name. Yeah. I think it's a very positive and strong name. Yeah. Mm hmm. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I always liked it. We could be 100% wrong, though, and we could get a lot of hate. Sure, but I don't think we're we're coming at it from that kind of place. No. So, um, but Dusty's ready to convert. Well, I just I just really appreciate it. I, I love it, and um, I just think that it all is so cool. The the appreciation of nature, uh, and recently we've been reading a book, and we found some other things. We won't get into it right now. We're going to save it for more later in the episode. But we got got some other stuff that is just. Uh, heightened my appreciation, mm-hmm. which is very exciting. Here's a little hint: Turtle Island. <laughs> well, if I you know, about, you know. I talked about Turtle Island one time on Nate Land, um, but um, well, Turtle Island is just the theory that you know Pangea, like the Earth, was all one. Um, well, Turtle Land Island mass, is, is, and what? then it broke off, and then Turtle Island's called North America. What right. North America is? Yeah. So it's it's very exciting stuff. Um, uh, you know, you got the hair. You got the hair. It's not so dark though. The um, it's a little, little kind of a light brown. The uh, honestly, my hair is darker. Okay. Well, you know the uh, the funny thing is, people have told me before they don't say it much these days. But when I was younger, people would say I looked Asian. Right. And then there's the theory. Now I I floated this as a theory on Nateland one time, and Aaron said. Uh, that this is just common knowledge now. Maybe you said it, I don't know, someone said it, but I just thought it was a theory that, you know, Native American people would have come over, uh, you know. On the Bering Strait? Way, way back on the Bering Strait, worked their way through, um, you know, through Canada and down into North yeah, America. I'm pretty sure that's, yeah. And I, I don't know that it's common That knowledge. was wildly upset, accepted about 15 years ago. I don't know where they're at with it today. Yeah, I don't accept that it's common knowledge. I mean, we could accept it, but I still think it's a theory. But I, I think that's interesting because a lot of Native uh, and Asian people can look very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's all interesting. I love this sort of stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm deeply into uh, origins of people and all that sort of stuff. I've... I, Find it very fascinating. Neato. Yes. Neat. Oh. So, uh, so I'm trying to get back to the land. Uh, I've not put up an owl house yet, so the countdown has not started. Uh, I got a spot though. I think I know where I want to put it. Not in the neighborhood, out on the land. Uh, we do have one bat house up, but I've been, I've been rethinking the way I put the bat house up, and and part of me 
wants to go back to the drawing board, figure out how to hang it in a different way, take that one down, and then rehang it later. Mm. Um, the saga of the bad house continues. Well, the problem was, you know, my neighbor brought over the ladder, and and my dad was here that day, and my and it was a very cold day, and my neighbor stayed with us, and it just, I felt like I was under the gun. Uh, to get the bad house up real fast. And I really wanted to be able to take my time and, 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 and I had everybody throwing ideas at me and I'm just like, you know, I, I just, was videotaping at all. Yeah. I just want to take some time and, and brainstorm. And, and what is it that we like to say? Uh, meander, uh, piddle, piddle, diddle, doddle. <laughs> I don't think we want to diddle it. <laughs> diddle is a, a kind of a creepy word. Yeah. But I want to, you know, I got to diddle a bat house now. Get that guano. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guano's bat poo. Bat poo, yeah. yeah. Is that what would happen if we diddled it? We get guano? No, I just make it a joke. Okay. I think, I don't think, I don't think uh, if you diddle a bat, it poops. (laughs) It might. I don't don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm like, I bet if you diddle some people out here, that's what they're doing. Gross. Yep. It is gross. Disgusting. And I said it. That's disgusting. Sorry about that. I hope your kids aren't listening. Mm. Where are they? <laughs> Where are Not they? your kids. I mean, the listeners' kids. Oh. Your kids are my kids. Well, hopefully, we're using a fifty-cent word like "diddle," and they won't. Well, they won't understand it. Well, all. about at this point, uh, hopefully, they've muted the podcast. Um, but um, it is an adult podcast, though. I appreciate if there yeah, are. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about D R U G S. I do appreciate if there are, um, you know, parents that let their kids listen, but. Um, this is an adult podcast. Yeah. That's how I like my, my all my comedy to be, right? Like, I want to be a clean comedian. I want to be the type of comedian that you could go and listen and you can take your, say you're in your 20s or 30s and you want to take your parents or you want to take your aunt or your grandmother. You can all enjoy it together. Or say you're an older uh, uh, parent and you got some 20-year-old kids, you want to take them. I want everybody to be able to enjoy it. I don't want the 20-year-old kids to think my comedy's cheesy. And I don't want the older you know, parents to be embarrassed by it. I want them all to just come together and have a good time. But I am speaking to adults. Yeah. I mean, that's the point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not necessarily for kids i've done i've done stand up for kids before uh and they don't really like it i had a i had a party in charleston before i left there hire me uh to entertain the kids and i was like i mean at the time the money was really good and i i I felt bad that they paid me for it uh but now i'd be like now you owe me more than that Mm-hmm. for this for what i had to do for you you've come up in the world and that's confidence well it's like what i had to do i was like you put me in a difficult situation you made me feel like a bit of a failure even though um you know i'm a professional comedian yeah, you're not diddling around out here no i'm not you're well, dusty slay yeah, i'm a professional dusty don't comedian. Diddle <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> I'm the worst. I laugh at my own jokes. Actually, my uh, my brother-in-law was trying to get me uh, hired by his company recently, mm. and uh, how'd that go? And well, I, I I'm in for it, but you know, his company is a you know a major company. I mean, they they make big money. They're they're very wealthy people, um, and I don't think it was going to get my brother-in-law any brownie points for me to do the gig not so. the way you're executing corporates this year 
No, my corporates are good. Okay. They are good. I thought you, you've been kind of saying you've not been so hot on the No, I mean, I, uh, maybe some companies are listening to the podcast okay. right now. I mean, no, I mean, my, my Jeez, gigs have been. Shut up, Hannah. <laughs> I mean, my gigs have been good this yeah. year. I'm just saying, you know, it's like the, the more I do theater gigs and club gigs and things like that, the less fun a corporate gig yeah. is because it's just a, a more stale kind of environment, you mm -hmm. know, where, where you go out and it's like people are at work and, and they're just, you know, when I used to do the sales meetings with Spectraside, right, it would be like you're just sitting and listening to people talk all day. Mm -hmm. So if the entertainment is just another person talking even if it's comedy, it's like, oh, geez. And also, uh, even though I think I'm a very cool comic, and I am a cool comic, uh, if if I were at the Spectreside sales meeting and, and they hired the comic, I would think, oh, whatever their taste in comedy is, is got to be awful. So the, the comic has to be awful. Yeah. That's what I would think. So your brother-in-law was trying to get you a gig, trying to hook you up. Yeah, and... Um, and so I sent them to my agent and then uh, they quoted a price too high. Uh, and my brother-in-law found out the price and he called me. He's like, Jesus, that he's like, is that what you're getting for gigs? <laughs> and uh, to be fair, you got to be like, nah, 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 man. I'm just trying to get your, your, your guys to play the game a little bit. I throw you a number. You, they throw me a number. And then we kind of haggle for a little bit. And we land on something super sweet that we're both happy with. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, um, you know, I just, uh, I, I don't, I have gotten that kind of money before. Uh, but that's not my rate every time. I do think it's a tactic to where it's like, the, the company comes in, they say, how much? And they say this. And then you come back, you go, well, how about this? And then you go back and forth, like you said. Yeah. Um, I do think that's the case. But so I didn't get the gig, uh, which I'm okay with. And I'll say why I'm okay with it. But I didn't get it. So my brother-in-law failed to be able to get me for the company. And he thinks that that's what I'm getting for every gig, which makes me uncomfortable with the family. Yeah, now we'll be paying for all meals at restaurants. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, I don't think they would do that. No, but, they wouldn't. But it is, uh, it is interesting. But this is why I'm glad I did They'll be calling in any kind of money they lent you when you were a kid. <laughs> They're like, I remember giving you a lot of money for food. No, nah, this is, um, but this is why I, um, I'm glad I didn't get it. Because sometimes corporates go really great. I mean, sometimes it, it is just phenomenal and you're like, wow, that's amazing. And other times you do the gig and it's like, uh, you're like, oh man, I leave there and I go, I hope they're happy with that because I wasn't, you know, because this is the difference. And I've gone over corporates before, but when I do a show, people buy tickets to see me specifically do comedy. First off, they're there for comedy and they're there to see me specifically and they're in a room designed for comedy. With a corporate event, they uh, there's a, a, a chance that people in the room don't know who I am. They're not there for comedy and it's not a comedy environment. So it could not go well. So in, in, in a normal corporate setting, if it doesn't go that well, I'm like, well, all right, um, uh, sorry that went that way. Uh, I'll see you guys. 
just gonna go get get that check and <laughs> go back to my hotel room. But with this one, it's my uh, it's my brother in law. So now my brother in law will have to hear about it at work if it doesn't go well, and then it might be awkward for me and him. Yeah, like he's gonna have to pitter patter around the fact that you bombed by being like, you know what, I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Yeah, and you know, yeah, the people that work at this company. I mean, this is the kind of stuff they're they're listening to these comedians, and you know, they said like he is. She's just gonna always be in this uncomfortable position of yeah. like being like, no, it was good. It really wasn't that bad. You're just in your head. Meanwhile, he's probably telling you know his wife, your sister. Jeez, Dusty bombed. Jeez, Dusty bombed. Yeah. The, you know, the Charlotte Comedy Zone hired me one time for a corporate gig, sort of a corporate gig. Um, now, I had a different manager at the time, and I talked to this manager about the gig. Because at the time, the gig was really good money, and I was like, wow, I could really use this. This would be great. And my manager at the time, he said, you know, you want to, you know, you want to think about you know, gigs like this, if this doesn't go well, then it looks bad for you with the club. So I called the guy that books the comedy zone. And I said to him, I go, Hey, I, you know, I don't want this to go bad. And then you not want to book me for other stuff, you know? And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, I know what this gig is. He goes, this, this may be a bad gig. He said, don't worry about that. He said, you come in on a Wednesday, you do this gig, you feature at the club the rest of the weekend. I said, okay. So I went for it. And it was, a, and it was, a, it was for Red's Apple Ale. Red's Apple Ale was trying to get into doing comedy stuff. Uh, so they had, but, but, they had all in there's a giant conference center, uh, a convention center at a hotel, one of those giant, giant rooms. I mean, I've gone to my brother-in-law who works for a cabinet company, the same guy. I've gone to a cabinet convention or a bath and kitchen show where they just have kitchens and bathrooms set up all over this convention. It's like the Disney world of convention centers. When I was in, or, or Disney world of cabinets. When I was in Denver, I went to see my buddy Apples uh, at the RV uh, show in one of these giant, they, this room's big enough to have, you know, a thousand RVs in the room, you know? That's so, an exciting thought. So this room was all of the whatever the beer company that owns Apple Ale. Let's just say it's Miller. Uh, it, so it would have been all of their brands, all of their different beers, uh, all had their own booth, right? So uh, in, in, in the booth that I was working had stand-up comedy because that's what, uh. that's what Red's Apple Ale was doing, right? So they wanted me to do three completely different 30-minute sets. And I didn't really have that, but I was like, yeah, I can make it work. And um, to the left of me was a DJ. So they had loud music going the whole time. And to the right of me, I think, was a dunking booth. <laughs> <laughs> and then there I am in this booth. Now, in front of me is two young girls bartending Red's Apple Ale. The stage is behind the bar, behind those two girls, and I'm on a really high platform. So I'm basically standing over them, but far enough behind them to where it's kind of like, what's going on back there? And then I'm talking into a microphone, but there's also a DJ booth to the left of me, not to mention everything else going on in this giant room. 
And I asked the two girls before I started, I, I was telling them, I was asking them who their favorite comic was. And they said, Kevin Hart. And I go, oh, okay, well, you're not going to like this. And, uh, and I had to do these three 30 minute sets over them to, to no one. There's no one listening. Um, and so I started, everybody had name tags on. So they would come up to the Red's Apple Ale and I would just call them out by name and try to make jokes with them. And this one lady goes, what are you doing back there? Are you singing? <laughs> and it's just so humiliating. And then I have still not headlined a full weekend at the Charlotte Comedy Zone. So I think that happened. That's what happened. Do they, you get into the conspiracy that they wanted you to fail or they were like, I mean, I don't know how anybody would do well there. I don't know, but they, I don't know. I, I don't think they wanted me to fail necessarily, but I do think it affected me. I mean, it wasn't until I got, I mean, now the comedy zone rooms, I mean, there's headliners with no agent, no managers headlining those rooms. I never got to headline any of those rooms until I had a manager and an agent. Um, uh, you know, now when I did, it was great because I sold some tickets and I made some money, but uh, I never got to headline any of those rooms. I've still never, I've headlined Charlotte Comedy Zone on like a Tuesday. It sounds like you were an exhibit at a science fair. Yeah. Like that's what I think of. Like you're just in this little booth and this this room with all these other little exhibits. Yeah. And you're just like, this is what comedy is. Right. Theoretically. Exactly. That's exactly what it was like. And I still never, I mean, I, I may never headline the Charlotte Comedy Zone. I mean, next year I'm doing a theater in Charlotte. Well, here's what I think. I think you should go back to this gig and see how you do and prove it. Prove that you can do this gig and then you can get yourself some Comedy Zone headlining gigs. The Red's Apple Ale? You got to go back. You got you to gotta fight that dragon. I don't know if that's a gig that exists anymore. Yeah. And, I, and I don't think I would do any better. There's a lot of gigs where I'm like, years ago, this is how it went. And then now I'm better and I would do a better job. I don't think that would be any different. You might actually do worse because there's a chance that people might actually recognize you. <laughs> so they're like, that looks like that guy that's on TikTok that's funny, but man, this guy sucks. <laughs> yeah. Is, is that a Dusty Slay impersonator? Yeah, I don't think it would be better. No. Um, and I'm just, uh, I'm just throwing out theories to yeah. help you get, get some gigs, you know, cause you can't get that gig. Your brother-in-law's gigs messed up. I mean, it's like, you, you gotta get, you gotta get on that hustle again. Well, uh, what I'm saying is I'm doing a theater in Charlotte. So I've, I'm, oh. I'm jumping, I'm jumping over the, the Charlotte comedy. You zone. just, yeah. You leapfrogging right over. Yeah. Leaps so and bounds. I'm not, I, I got gigs coming out of my ears. I'm turning down gigs because I don't have the time. Okay. But uh, whatever, whatever you need to say to yourself to make it better. But, uh, well, I'm turning down gigs so I can help you at home with kids. <laughs> okay. Well, I was just joking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you should be helping me in the kitchen. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, speaking yeah. of the kids, let me go check. I mean, I'm, I'm out here. Yeah. 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 Get out of here. Um, my wife's trying to bring me down today. I don't know what that's all about. She's like, I'm going to go check on the kids. I'm like, yeah, go check on the kids. Work on your attitude out here. Um, but we're having a good time. We are having a good time out here. Um, I don't think Hannah has been getting a lot of sleep because Sam is not sleeping great. And then 
I also did not sleep great over the weekend, so we're all trying to get it back together here. Um, but things are great. Uh, it is good. Uh, my gigs are really good. My show, Those shows in Phoenix were so great. Uh, I'm so pumped about them. I appreciate all the people who came out. People gave me recipes uh, for dressing uh, and said very nice things, wrote letters to me. People brought me gifts. The, the club uh, that I performed for got me a really nice gift. Um, and everybody just took care of me so much. And there's always this guy in Phoenix that drives me around. He's a really old man named Charles who is retired. Uh, his son is a musician who plays uh, um, folk music um, and, and a little bit of country. He was in a band called the Carolina Chocolate Drops back in the day, but now does his own thing. Put out an album called Black Cowboy, and he put his dad, uh, this, this guy Charles that drives me around, in I want to say the Smithsonian, um, or, or he got into some museum because he grew up in Flagstaff, Arizona, uh, you know, as a cowboy and uh, has an old picture of him in a cowboy hat. But Charles, I don't know if Charles is in his, I'd say 70s, 70-year-old black man, and uh, I love this guy. I mean, this guy, he's retired, so he drives now, but he's always, you know, he drives for a company, but he's always driving some cool car. This time he's driving me around in a Jaguar, and it's amazing. I feel so fancy. And Charles is just like, he just seems like this old, wise man who's just so full of wisdom. And I just, I like riding around and just talking to Charles. He's a little hard to talk to because he's so soft-spoken that I can barely hear him in the back seat. But I really like talking to this guy and... I wish I had more opportunity to just hang out and talk to him. But I, this time, it's been a couple of years since I seen him because he was not, he was on vacation, I guess, the last time I was there. And then, um, uh, and I don't know that I've seen him in two years. So I didn't have any kids the last time I saw him. And he told me he has like three sons and 18 grandchildren and seven great grandchildren at this point and something like that. Um, and so I got to get some, some real, uh, parenting advice and just not even, tell you? not even advice necessarily, just, you know, just kind of words of encouragement and wisdom and I'm not going to share them, but, uh, uh, it was nice and I just enjoy talking to him. It's, it's fun to ride around and, you know, I like talking to older people when I, when I can really get an opportunity because I was really, I didn't have grandparents. My grandfather uh, was born in 1900 and died in 1966. His wife, my grandmother, uh, Lenny Tallyslay, uh, died in the 90s when I was very young. But even before that, she got Alzheimer's um, when I was, uh, you know, I, she probably died when I was 10 and had Alzheimer's from the time I was five. Um, my other grandfather on my mom's side, he died when he was 65, probably in the mid to late 80s. Uh, and then my grandmother, who, you know, I make jokes about who crocheted Afghans and, um, um, you know, she died when I was, you know, probably uh, mid-20s. Um, and I always joke about her being mean. She was kind of a mean lady. Um, we had some good fun moments together. We took a lot of vacations together, 
But overall, she just was not an overly friendly uh, woman. And, you know, she grew up during the Great Depression. I'm sure a lot of that played a role. She lost her first husband uh, in a war. Um, and uh, she just, um, you know, was just not full of a lot of uh, words Maternal. of wisdom and encouragement for me. So I never got the real grandparent thing. Um, my stepmom, her dad was a very interesting guy. I really liked him. He died. I didn't get to see him as much because, you know, I moved away in my early twenties. My dad and, and, and her got married when I was 16. So there was four or five years when I was still living in town that I would see him. But then after I moved, I didn't see him as much. Uh, and his name was Harry and he was just a really great guy. Seemed to have a lot of life experience and, and I enjoyed talking to him too. But so I've just not had a lot of old people to really talk to. And, uh, and I, it's too bad. I like, I even tried to go one time with the church, go to the nursing home and talk to some people and I couldn't handle it. It was too sad for me. It was very hard, um, if it's ever, if it's in my control, my parents will never go to the nursing home. If it, if it is within my control, I know some people it's not, uh, but if it is within my control, they will never go there. It is so sad. I see videos of patients being abused all the time. I find it hard to watch. Um, and then the stuff that happened to old people in nursing homes during COVID was just uh, uh, unbelievable. Videos I would see of of, of, I just, I can't comprehend some of it. They would go to visit their relatives and the, they, they weren't allowed to touch them. They weren't allowed to hug them or they would have to, uh, see them through the window. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I've always had a lot of questions about that. I don't know how you don't go in there and they say, you can't hug your grandmother and you go, okay, she's coming out of here today. I don't, I don't know how that doesn't happen, but Again, I'm not in that situation, so I don't know. Well, probably a lot of people had their kids at home, so they had a bit of a full house situation going on. Uh, I don't know. And the fear. Yeah, I mean, that first part is not not not, not an excuse. I mean, I, I don't know. It just it blows me away. I just uh, I feel so bad. I mean, and it, and it does kind of like swing back around to kind of the Native American thing we were talking about. It's like when you when you read stories and see things about Native people. Now, this was all pre-internet, of course. But the old people of the tribe, I mean, they seemed to, they would, the elders, they were held to high acclaim. They um, were well-respected because they had information and knowledge that nobody else had. Now we have the internet so we're like, oh, no, we'll just look up whatever we want on the Internet. We don't need these old people's wisdom now because we got the Internet. And I just, um, I don't know. I would rather have real information from real people. I wish we had some people like that in our lives to come show us the old recipes. I've been talking about it a lot, and I know it just seems like I'm complaining about dressing, but it's not just the just it's not just dressing and it's not just the food but it's just the old ways being gone the old wisdom being gone and the old ways of doing it i mean my dad would tell me that my grandfather knew how to graft trees he would just go out and take a little cutling out of a tree and and wrap it up in some string and he would just grow 
uh, new apple trees. Now, I know people still know how to graph things, but I'm just saying that's just one small thing that he knew how to do that he could teach people. And uh, my, my grandfather apparently knew how to read music, could play the piano, was a singer. Um, and it's just like these sorts Wouldn't of Wouldn't he th- like skin a hog and uh, sell yeah, it on I mean, the road? Yeah, I mean, he was a farmer. Yeah, I mean, he would he would uh, butcher his own cows and, and pigs and cut up the meat and then go door to door selling the meat to people in the community. If you show up with a dead carcass on someone's door now, they'll shoot you. <laughs> yeah. They'll shoot you. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, or call the cops on you at the very least. Mm-hmm. If, if I feel like if the person will shoot you, they might actually be okay with you pulling up with a carcass of mm. meat to sell them. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, it's rolling the dice. I'll say that. Yeah. But it's just like, I just feel like there were people that they were just full of knowledge and they knew how to do all these things. And, uh, people now, not everyone. There are people that know how to do things. But, I'm not one of them. But overall, I feel like people just don't know how to do stuff. I don't know how to do anything. Your mom was here over the weekend, and we've had this running toilet, this toilet issue with our upstairs toilet. Yeah. And we've just been sort of neglecting to deal with it. It just runs a lot. And your mom's like, hey, what's going on with your toilet? I just put an elastic band around it and fixed it. I don't think she fixed it, but. Oh, Okay. Well, it fixed. It was fixed for a couple of days. But I, yeah, she does know how to do a lot of things. My mom has always known how to do a lot of things. My mom used to have a really great garden when I was a kid. Now she didn't have it forever, but I remember us having a great garden. My mom knows how to hunt. My mom. Uh, she fixed our dry cleaner, or yeah, our uh, dryer, like getting it to blow out the house. Oh yeah, she did. Yeah. And uh, just a lot of things that my mom has just known how to do over the years. She was doing, uh, you know, now she'll use YouTube to do things. But before that, she was buying the books, the Home Depot books and learning how she retiled her floor in her house long before the Internet was helping her do those sorts of things. Uh, I mean, you know, it's like my dad can do all these things too. My dad's not a good teacher. My dad knows how to do a lot of things, but he yells at people too much. He's too impatient to teach. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know, maybe his dad was too. That's funny. My dad is a good teacher, but he's too slow moving and repetitive (laughs) to to be a good teacher. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like he just, he wants to repeat the point five times. Like, yeah, I got it. (laughs) Let's my, move on. Yeah, see, my dad doesn't even want to get give you the point. He, okay. He's yelling at you before you even get there. Okay, yeah. <laughs> both frustrating. Yeah. Both both, both uh, difficult to work with. But yeah, the, the so much of the old ways are gone. Like, you know, I just talk uh, about my Aunt Cat, and uh, it's just like she uh, the cooking that she knew how to do, the things she knew how to put together, um, it's just gone. It is. And, you know, the thing about the Native Americans, too, and talking about, you know, sage wisdom being lost is, um, you know, even the printing press, like people writing stories down, that only happened, you know, maybe five, six hundred, seven hundred years ago, let's say. And um, before that, it was all the oral tradition. Yeah. And that's what the Native Americans had was their oral tradition. And so they would share stories and pass it down from generation to generation. And that is something I believe that most Native American cultures try to hold on to where there's, you know, people that have these stories and it's important to share the stories with one another and to share it many times so that you learn it by heart and you can, and they can continue to share it. But 
you know. Yeah, can you imagine that? Like, I don't want to call it the peace pipe, like we're we're talking about a movie, but I imagine there that that comes from somewhere. There was some kind of pipe with tobacco or weed or or mulein leaf or 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 uh, hemp. There was something they were putting in there. And can you imagine just sitting around because tobacco has a lot of like, um, you know, effects on the body where it feels good. That's why I like cigars, um, which I have not had in uh, over six weeks. Uh, but um, just imagine sitting around, passing the pipe around a fire, hearing a story that you may have never heard before that has n- n- uh, many people sitting around that fire have never heard. You have no other source of entertainment. There's not TV. There's not movies. There's not a play to go see. There's not TikTok. And you're just sitting there and you're just listening to this story. Uh, you know, I'm sure in other ways you would be very starved for entertainment. But in that moment, how fun would that be? Well, I don't think back then entertainment was, you know, it was a luxury. Yeah. I mean, they were working and they were just trying to survive. And then their 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 entertainment, their relaxation, I'm assuming. I mean, I'm not going to speak for Native Americans, but I'm assuming sitting around a campfire listening to a story is about as good as it gets. Yeah, and, and probably for a lot of people, not just Native people. I mean, uh, many people for so long, that was, that was what you were doing. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into... Uh, this story. Yeah, let's get into this. Now, this book, go ahead and tell us what the name of the book it's is. It's called What the Old Ones Say, and it's written by Chief Joseph Riverwind. And I've been reading it for a while. I'm, I'm about done it, but I, I have a little bit more to go. But it's pretty fascinating, and it's not for the light of heart. You know, it might not be for everybody because it is a native man who has converted to Christianity, matter of fact. But it's a, it's a combination of his native heritage and his native beliefs and religious and spirituality with Christianity and him sort of believing that the two are sort of actually one. And in and, and the, the this book came to my attention. I get into I don't get into it too much on TikTok, but I was talking with some people on TikTok about Thanksgiving. They ask about Thanksgiving and did they think we should celebrate Thanksgiving? And I started, you know, I was talking about, you know, what I think of Thanksgiving and then the the person uh, shared my belief and, and, and said, yeah. Um, but then she said, she believes that the first Thanksgiving was probably the native people celebrating Sukkot or the feast of tabernacles, at least their version of it. And I thought that was very interesting. And she said, you should read this book. And, um, and cause I, I am a fan of Thanksgiving, but for, you know, what I believe it means to me, but this has really deepened that um, for me. And um, yeah, and we will say, I mean, I'm not a Native American scholar, but I do totally accept and know that Natives were done terribly in this country and, and the church and that for that matter, Christians and people trying to convert Natives to uh to Christianity, uh, it just, it was a mess and it was, and it was really wrong what they did. And they tried to take the native Americans culture away from them while converting them. And that's not what this guy's talking about in this book. He's not talking about put away your, your drums and don't dance and your headdresses. Like he's not saying any of that. He's saying we can, 
we can find the connections between the two. Yeah. The great creator, you know. And I agree with that. I mean, as a Christian, I mean, my, my, so many of my problems lie with the modern day church. I don't like what a lot of the modern day church is doing. Uh, I don't like the way that we, and that, and I've gone over this over and over again on this podcast. It's just like, I don't like the way we've gone about celebrating Christianity. I mean, I think that we've gotten far from the Bible and that's why reading this. Well, I've been reading it. Yeah. Either way. I just find it, uh, very interesting. Okay. I mean, I bought the book. I mean, to be fair to Hannah, I never read the books that I buy and she ends up reading them. But to be fair to me. We bought this and then she started reading it. So I've not really had an opportunity. That sounds fair. All right. So we'll read this. In the early 18th century, James Adair, an Irish-born Hebrew scholar, lived for 40 years among the Cherokee. He recorded the similarities within the Cherokee culture, tradition, laws, feast days, and more, which are similar or identical to the instructions, a.k.a. law, that was given to the Jews and Gentiles at Mount Sinai. A few of the things that Adair recorded go beyond the realm of coincidence in regard to Hebrew influence. The following are some examples of what he witnessed. The Cherokee name for God, now excuse me, I might, I might be cher- uh, butchering these. The Cherokee name for God, Yohiwa, this is an amazing, this is amazing because in Hebrew, the name of God is written Yahweh, which is often pronounced Yehovah, Jehovah, and Yahweh. Cherokee name for the Holy Spirit, Lok Ishtuhulu Abba, the great beneficent, supreme, holy spirit of fire. The Cherokee God is a trinity that is one being named Elohim. Uh, In Cherokee, Adonindu is the word for Lord. This is, there is some similarity with the word Adonai used by Hebrew speakers. According to the Cherokee story, creation took seven days and man was made from red clay and women made from the first man's rib. The Hebrew account tells the same, even calling the first man Adam, which means red earth in the Hebrew language. In Cherokee accounts, there was a great flood that killed the giants, but Yahweh said he would never flood the earth again. The Cherokee cite the existence of a patriarch named Aquahami, sounds similar to the biblical patriarch Abraham. The Cherokee kept no idols per their ancient religious laws. Six days of work with one commanded day of rest. Cherokee considered eating pork unclean. Cherokee ceremonial songs often begin with singing hallelujah. Cherokee, or, you know, it's not hallelujah, but it looks like it when I'm reading it. So hallelujah. Cherokee did not practice divination. Being a witch or a bad medicine person was punishable by death. Cherokee carried a sacred ark before them into battle. He states that the Cherokee linguistic structure is almost identical to the Hebrew language. The Cherokee word for wife is hava or ava. Shava is the word, is the Hebrew word commonly translated as Eve and means life giver. The Cherokee word for earth is Yah-Kane, which means Yah's footstool. New moon assemblies with the new year beginning at the first setting of the new moon during the spring equinox. In Hebrew, both in both Hebrew and Cherokee cultures, days are counted from sundown. 
Both cultures have a daily sacrifice of fat, including peace offerings, sin offerings, and trespass offerings. High priests of both cultures wear white cotton cloak, 72 bells, a sleeveless jacket, and a breastplate set with 12 stones. The Cherokee have feast days that closely resemble Passover, called Pesh, Feast of First Fruits, Bikurim. I'm not sure if these are Hebrew words or if, or if these are. I don't know. No, I mean, this Shavuot. Is, yeah, these are Hebrew. This is the all. The Day of Atonement and the Feast. I'm almost done. And the Feast of Tabernacles. During the Cherokee Feast that is similar to Passover, the songs include the words, Yohi Wa Sho Mashi Yo, which means the anointed ruler in Cherokee. Yeah, I mean, I think it's amazing. I mean, this is all according to this guy, according to another guy. So we don't know to verify any of this stuff, but I just find it really amazing. Basically, what, what it's saying is, you know, they had no connection to uh, Hebrew Israelites, yet somehow seem to receive the same message as if God delivered the same message to them in a completely different place. And I just think it's amazing, uh, particularly where they said that uh, they found pork to be unclean. <laughs> um, you know, because you think uh, in, in, in a tribe of people that, you know, uh, may not have been uh, farmers, I don't know exactly, but they were hunters. You would think that hunting would, uh, you know, pigs would be something that you would eat. Um, I just think it's interesting. It is interesting. And... Um, and we appreciate our friend uh, calling this book to our attention. Yeah. And uh, we're also open to this book being negated if you have, if you want to talk to us about that. Because we, we are not just, this book is like a YouTube video. I mean, it's just like, it could be true, it could not be true. It's just one guy's opinion. Right. Exactly. Uh, but I, I find it really interesting. And um, uh, I hope that you do too. Uh, I mean, we're into this stuff. Yeah, you're ready to convert. Yeah. But I maybe mean, you won't need to because you're already Native American. Yeah. Well, it is interesting. The Cherokee are from that area too, North Georgia, kind of North Alabama. So mm -hmm. who knows? Who knows? I mean, we're having a good time out here. And it doesn't matter. Um, you know, I just find this really interesting. I, I think it's super fun. Um, and um, I hope it in some way inspires you to look into some stuff uh, and have a good time out here. Okay. And I'll be uh, in Cincinnati uh, this weekend at the Liberty Funny Bone. So come see me. Uh, we're having a good time.